Hello, this is Glenda Taylor. Welcome to a special edition of the One and All Wisdom podcast, in which I have had the opportunity and the honor to interview my good friend, Jim Lemon, on the occasion of his 75th birthday. So, Jim, here you are on your 75th birthday. I'm so glad that we got to spend some time with you today. I got an opportunity to uh, to think with you a little bit about what this means. You've been mentioning lately how you've been thinking about what it means to be an elder and what eldering is compared with simply aging or, or getting old. <laughs> I think I hear you saying that eldering is a conscious acceptance of all the responsibilities and challenges and benefits of aging. Do I have that right? And can you say something about what that what eldering means to you right now? Well, eldering seems to be more of a recognizing that my the sum total of my life experiences rather than being a weight have been a gift. And as I look at the end of my life, I recognize how grateful I am that I've come this far rather than fearing that I'm going to miss out on something because I haven't missed out on much. <laughs> I'd say that's true. As I know you, you've had, you've had a very interesting and full life and, and are going to have, have a great deal more. You are... Uh, a mentor for a lot of a lot of young people, and uh, and I know that well for as long as I've known you, which is forty years now, you have uh, you've emphasized living a life that is also full of service to others. Um, I know you've worked with hospice and and you've worked with uh, disabled people and. Uh, Oh, just I, I, there's a long list. I know that uh, that you know better than I do, and a lot of work out here with me at Earth Springs, of course, and things that you've done out here even today in the heat on your 75th birthday. So, as you're, as we both are experiencing aging and in uh, and as we say, eldering, um, how do you see uh, your your ability or your your doing of service how does that look to you now as an elder how does that feel in uh in terms of of how that might be different or might be the same well it's pretty much the same i have often found myself in positions of leadership where i really didn't know if i deserved it uh I recognize that a lot of my service has been kind of a, a compensatory effort to feel worthwhile and purposeful. Wow. And um, it's been helpful in the last year or two to uh, ask somebody for help and have them say, boy, I sure am glad because I felt like our friendship was kind of out of balance and that I was doing more for them than they were doing for me. And uh, I've started recognizing that asking for help is almost as 
great an honor as being the one who helps. Mm. So I found myself the other day, I was uh, at church and I got up and kind of did a, t- a testimony on uh, some of the things that I've learned recently in my eldering of uh, Boy Scouts mm. and uh, recognizing that having somebody ask you for help is an incredible honor. And so there are a lot of people out there that don't want to ask for help. And I'm saying, do it because it graces the person that you uh, reach out toward. Was that easy for you to start with? To to uh, uh, You have always been very, uh, how shall I say, not self-sufficient exactly, but very strong and independent and able to do anything that you attempted that I saw. Um, has that changed or you did not often ask for help I guess is what I my experience had been in those days but you were always there to offer help was there a was there a change in there that you well it could be uh, a case of mutual uh, delusion (laughs) Uh, because all the time that you thought I was helping uh, I was asking for help Hmm. and uh, what I've recognized is I have known most of my life that I was in over my head, that I was doing things that were beyond my skill set, that people were giving me more credibility than I thought I uh, had rightfully earned. So uh, it was pretty quick. You know, when you mentioned that, asking for help, I can remember a time in which I was paddling uh, my boat and uh, I was in water way over my head, uh, big waves, rocks, and uh, I lost my boat, and this guy paddled by, and I yelled and said, help me, and he uh, paddled his boat up to me, and I grabbed his boat, and then I started seeing how my holding on to him was going to uh, endanger him, Mm. and uh, I let him go, and I guess that's been a big part of my self-discovery is that I know when I'm asking more of the person than they can give, and I'm able to uh, step back and go, well, that's uh, it's time to uh, let them uh, go their own way. Mm-hmm. That sounds like uh, a lot of uh, maturing around the issues of boundaries. Uh, is that something you're talking about? Um, could be. Uh, boundaries are uh, kind of a popular subject these days. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if they're a popular subject. They're a, uh, a familiar subject. And what I realize is we really don't have any boundaries, that we're all connected. And when somebody else is in grief or turmoil, uh, we all have these survival skills that kind of separate us from them so that we don't get uh, swallowed up by the other person's need, and yet the whole time there's a there's a side of ourselves that's saying, uh, "Man, you know, I know that could be me right there," and so I really uh, recognize that uh, boundaries are an illusion, um, and they take a lot of uh, effort to um, maintain because life is constantly chipping away at them. And so uh, I recognized recently that probably um, 
Oh, the closest I can come from, the closest I can come to that place of uh, knowing about boundaries is when I feel uh, totally vulnerable. When I got leukemia, um, when I was told I had a very unlikely, uh, I had a bad prognosis, um, and then recently I had a, this is kind of diverging down one of my tangential routes, but I had, okay. a, I had a, a, a functional medicine guy say, you know, if you don't do what I tell you to do and pay me this incredibly exorbitant amount of money, because uh, I'm not going to accept your insurance policy. I mean, you're gonna, you're not going to be able to function. You're gonna, you're gonna lose function in your feet. You know, they're probably, you know, probably going to be amputated. I mean, he went through this long uh, deal, and it was like, well, we'll see. <laughs> and I guess that's what has been a kind of a common thread when somebody says you can't do it. I don't know if I believe I can do it. But I know that they're in no position to judge whether I can. Mm. It's kind of hard to tease that out. But I, I recognize the best way to get me to do something is to say, man, you can't do that. <laughs> and then, boy, I'm on it. Not with some great sense of confidence, but almost like, a, well, I'll see about that. Mm -hmm. Kind of a Forrest Gump type approach. <laughs> It's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking about the different places where you have been of service, for example, in hospice um, and in other places where you went to, to uh, back in the day when they were first trying to figure out what to do about AIDS and, and you went to be of service in, in uh, um, with, I'm trying to think of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And, and stayed there and helped build one of the buildings there at her place and so forth uh, back east. You've been around a lot of uh, people that are, are going through a lot of trauma and a lot of suffering in their lives uh, in hospice or in other places. How have, I, I really appreciated what you said about boundaries. And so in, in my own experience, Eldering. One of the things that I'm realizing is is that you're absolutely right. We're all connected, of course, and that we're all porous much more than we realize. And our coping skills, our set, our tool set, as you often call it, um, is it changes as we age. Uh, ways that we might have coped in the past. I can remember when you know you might have a bad day and you might go out to paddle the whitewater. Uh, you might not have that same coping uh, skill or not skill, but opportunity today, but our, they change. And I guess one of my questions is how over the years have you been able to be with other people under stress or in stress or distress um, and keep yourself on an even keel as a boat person, you might say. Uh, do you understand my question? Uh, yeah. Um, what I think about is that I don't think I stay on an even keel. Uh, I do uh, aspire toward that. Uh, you know, when people are yelling and screaming, 
you know, in a in a rage, for example, uh, I know that yelling and screaming at them is not going to calm the situation down. But I'm definitely not on an even keel. I uh, recognize that we are all in this over our heads. And when somebody has the audacity to say, you know, I can, I can, I can solve your problems, <laughs> uh, then it's like, uh, well, I just kind of do a blank then because I recognize uh, audacity is very different from arrogance, mm. and audacity. Uh, in, in audacity, one has the um, ability to uh, do things that appear uh, daunting, uh, where arrogance is like denying that uh, there's anything of. I just I just lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying, and I think that's a great distinction. Uh, arrogance will will other people's arrogance will set me off, set my teeth on edge. That that uh, automatically I uh, I find myself distrustful uh, of a certain kind of. Uh, there's a difference between that and confidence, or or competence, or even audacity. How do you? What do you think? Uh, what audacity are we needed that you think that we are needed or is helpful to us as we're as we're both getting older? Uh, to be satisfied with small accomplishments mm-hmm. and to step back and allow the youth and the uh, underprivileged to step into their power. Mm-hmm. And to support them rather than um, trying to direct the show. Can you, uh, you, you've told me about what's been happening at, as you're building the grass house at Caddo Mounds. When you built it before and then the tornado blew it away and now you all are rebuilding it. Can you, can you use that as an illustration of what you're, what you're talking about there, about competence and stepping back? Um, well, I was up on top of the scaffold. Uh, building the first one and, you know, really uh, thrilled with just the challenge of it. And now uh, I've developed a uh, nerve thing called neuropathy and I don't have very good balance. So I'm having to recognize that I'm not going to be able to do the things I used to do and I have no idea what's going to happen next. I mean, people are asking me to be helpful because I've, I'm experienced. And I'm just kind of chuckling to myself and saying, well, but I'm a different guy now. Uh, I've built some things recently that in the past I could do it with my eyes closed and I'll do it wrong and I'll have to go back and redo it. So I'm really recognizing that I can't, well, it's a mistake if I believe other people's estimation of my abilities right now. Mm-hmm. I need to be more of a uh, my own expert mm-hmm. and uh, both an expert in what I can do as well as an expert in what I can't do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm uh, 
I'm in uncharted territory. And, uh, and how does that feel? Um, well, I used to, when uh, Carrie and I were riding, uh, she was in Europe and I was back home, I would, I would always sign my um, letters, uh, alive, amused, and amazed. <laughs> and now I would say, I'm alive, curious, and uncertain. Mm -hmm. I think one of the one of the things, the gifts of aging for me has been uh, both having to and somehow being able to uh, live and function in a space of uncertainty. Um, I think that is a great uh, skill. I don't know that it's a skill. I think it's a gift uh, that comes to us. And, and you and I were talking a little bit earlier today about older people uh, taking longer to respond when something is, uh, is said or uh, discussed or whatever. And uh, I was laughing and saying that in the last two podcasts that I'd put out that I was using the term meandering, that I'm meandering around the topic rather than uh, rushing to make a statement or a judging, judgment about something about sort of wandering around looking at it from different different perspectives because all of them are going to be valuable and I think that uh, what I hear you saying is that as you're stepping back from for example being at the top of the scaffold on building the grass house the grass house by the way is a is a traditional structure with the was a traditional structure used by the Caddo Indians at uh, cattle mounds uh, near where I live and between where I live and you live that uh, was reconstructed, what, two or three years ago? How yeah, long has it yeah. been? About two or three years ago that, that in, cattle Indians from uh, Oklahoma came down and uh, you and others uh, cut the grass and built the structure and then of course um, a tornado came through and um, and Carrie, your wife Carrie, was there when that happened and experienced being in the tornado. And you experienced making your way through all the fallen uh, trees and debris and everything else to get to her. And now you guys are, uh, are rebuilding that. And uh, you spoke today about what you were doing to prepare the ground the new ground for the new house it made me think that that's such a huge ceremony that really that you all are doing and how much that is needful in preparing the ground to be an elder or to prepare the ground for any any activity really can you talk about what you all are doing there at, at the before you start actually constructing this new grass house well we've collected the materials we've collected I don't know how many thousand feet of willow, which will be a lath. We've connected, collected like, I don't know how many acres of grass, which will be the uh, covering. Uh, and what happened was uh, they just put dumped a bunch of uh, debris uh, where the grass house is going to be. And, and we 
buddy of mine and I went and looked at it and said, man, this is just uh, fill dirt. So we had them scrape it off, uh, but we're going to use it. But what we're doing is we're running it through the kind of uh, screens that archaeologists use to find uh, artifacts. And usually you're focused upon what's in the screen. But what we're focused on is the uh, finely sifted clay that's gone through the screen. And uh, that's what we're, that's, that's the precious. And uh, when I garden, I will uh, run the garden dirt through the screen. And when I do it at my community gardens with uh, elementary school kids, they're just fascinated by the, the worms and the bugs and all the stuff that's in the screen. And really, that's how I lure them into the process. But really, what's valuable is that the dirt underneath is just perfect. It's soft. It's uh, fluffy. It's a perfect bed for the uh, seeds. So I guess as a mentor, I'm kind of, I feel like sometimes I'm tricking people into doing something that they wouldn't ordinarily do uh, and then letting them discover that the lesson wasn't what they thought it was, <laughs> but something else. And I realize that's what I'm doing with myself uh, when I, you know, enter into a situation in which, uh, like, I'm a, uh, a pretty progressive type individual, and I've really found myself drawn to people who are more conservative and more uh, resistant to change and because it's like, surely they must know something that I don't know. I mean, how can somebody deny that the climate is changing? How can somebody deny that it's beneficial to limit who has a, an assault rifle? And so by hanging around with these people, I'm uh, trying to find, you know, what is it that they know that I don't know? And that's been kind of my M.O., as a, as a helper, as I worked with uh, people with development and disabilities, and I was supposed to be teaching them something, uh, social skills, I think it was, and what I do is I would do the inappropriate and then ask them to tell me how I was inappropriate, and people just thought I was just being silly, but it really, uh, it was fun for me, and it was fun for them, and I started realizing, man, they're kind, and when uh, somebody hurts their feelings, they, they feel hurt, but they don't hold on to it for years and years and years. It kind of slips through their, uh, their fingers like the, the, the sand through the screen that I was referring earlier. And it's like, man, how can I let stuff just slip through and not feel compelled to hold on to it? And so frequently, it's a really unlikely person that reminds me of that over and over again. I've got some friends with uh, dementia, some that are actively in that stage and others that have crossed over. And it's like, man, they had such a great ability to let go of stuff. Uh, and so I've kind of made a point of going into uh, unlikely situations and asking myself, you know, what do I have to learn here? And uh, I never failed to grab something out of it. I love that image of the of the sifting, you know, the the things that are caught in the in the uh, 
sieve, if you will, how much we all seem, or many of us, seem to want to hold on. We hold on to memories. We hold on to hurts and angers. And, and uh, we hurt, hold on to pain in, in uh, our psyche and in our bodies and so forth. Um, and yet what a wonderful image that is to, uh, to use that, that, that letting the, the blessings, if you were, what you said, the, the precious, you called it the precious, the, one of the things that, that I've been reframing or attempting to reframe when I, when something is being difficult is to, uh, to change my focus and th and ask myself what is what is a blessing right now what is a blessing out of this and that feels like that fine grain of sand those fine grains of sand that that were like you know the sand at the at when we used to do the sweat lodge years ago when uh, when you would you would go in to be in the sweat lodge and sit there on the sand how how comfortable that was and how easy that was and uh, as you said the good garden soil that things can grow out of without those uh, those hard rocks that we carry around with us all the time anyway I'm wondering Jim um, on your 75th birthday as you look back and reflect uh, what would you say now in in retrospect of this much of your life you I'm, I'm way ahead of you on this uh, this time frame here so you still feel real young to me at 75 but uh, looking back at this stage what would you say has been some of the biggest influences either people or other things in your life that you feel has you've held on to and has molded you particularly in your life well because I'm 75 you know, there's, there's a whole list. It's pretty long. Uh, I guess what I can do is uh, go more to the uh, most recent and uh, think about... Um, I have a, a good friend who is uh, African-American, and uh, he and I both, he got a uh, transplanted kidney about the same time I got leukemia. And we both chose gardening as our vehicle to work through the challenge of that circumstance. And then years later, we run into each other and we wind up uh, doing gardening with uh, others, like uh, I'm doing it with uh, children in elementary schools and he's doing it with, uh, and he and I did it some with the at-risk youth. Um, mostly uh, Hispanic and African-American. And we recognized that it looked like we were doing something noble, but really what we were doing was finding a way to get away with having fun and doing our wellness. Uh, and I think that's the, uh, the audacity that I uh, aspire toward is to not do anything because it's a noble thing to do, <laughs> but do it because it's fun. And uh, that, you know, I got something out of it. So, you know, if nobody gets anything out of it, at least I will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the influences have been so great uh, that, you know, trying to go back 
many of my um, mentors were uh, unlikely mentors. Uh, the yard man who told me, said, Jimmy, as long as you're outside, you'll do great. But when you're inside, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he and I, uh, we, we lived in a little cul-de-sac, and they were all very, very affluent people. And uh, we were the only house that had a garden, uh, a vegetable garden. And I grew tomatoes and onions and potatoes out in the back, back 40 is what my father called it. But it was a, uh, once again, it was just, I think I'm a, a hardcore nonconformist, uh, even when I was uh, that age. Uh, and the mentors that are really, um, I feel like, you know, I've, I've had a lot of good human mentors, but they all are disappointing. But, uh, so I chose nature and uh, I chose trees. And the tornado, when I saw all those trees knocked down and uh, there was one lady who was caught underneath a, a tree uh, in her car and uh, we pulled her out of the car and uh, she was all, uh, first she was upset because she had ruined her husband's car. It's an antique car. And then, uh, you know, she said, you know, that tree kept me from being pulled up by the tornado. And so I was really kind of thrown askew because I've always thought like, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, you know, hug a tree, you know, hold on to it. It's not going to go over. And I've realized that that's an illusion too. So uh, as my illusions started kind of dissipating, uh, I'm realizing that safety is a inside job mm -hmm. and uh, trying to find out where is that, where, where is that sense of safety that I'm searching for. And uh, it's not warm and fuzzy. It's, uh, well, it's unknown, but I know it's not warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that expression, it's an inside job. Absolutely, I, I get that. I know we both have this love of the trees and love of the forest, and, and uh, it was it was Carrie's, uh, your wife's uh, father, that gave uh, me, at least, that song, I Take My Troubles to the Trees, and uh, you and I have both done that for a good part of our lives, and so that what you're describing of... of uh, for all of us, I think, and I think this, again, is one of the gifts of aging and eldering, is that we're able to see through um, the, as you called it, the illusion of safety, and and to realize that uh, we, that there is something trustworthy in the universe, and there is something that is eternally beautiful in the universe, but to fix any one thing as though that's going to be immortal and everlasting. Um, it belies the, the dynamic nature of the universe itself. You know, that uh, expression, God is a verb, it is the process. It's the changing nature of everything that uh, seems most clear about reality. And that's one of the most, for me, 
that was one of the more challenging things about being young. I really wanted things to be to be fixed in such a way that I could depend on them. And, uh, and they were to more of an extent than it is in a lot of other people's lives when they're young. But, uh, but the reality, you know, was, was clear from the beginning that there's, it is an inside job and it's a, it's a job that goes so far inside of us. It's, you know, opens out in the back to the immensity of the mystery the great mystery, I, I keep calling it, of spirit. So let me ask you in another way, um, what, what, would you, what do you wish somebody had told you that you know now when you were younger that would have, would have benefited you, <laughs> even, if, even if maybe you wouldn't have listened to it, didn't listen to it at the time? What what do you do you know now that you wish somebody had, had clued you into earlier? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, because most of the things keep kind of seeping back when I uh, realize how vulnerable I am and I get uh, flashes from the past. Uh, times in which I thought I knew what I was doing and discovered that I didn't have a clue. Um, so uh, let's see, I'm not sure how to really uh, concisely respond to that. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the, my influences, you know, as I'm 75 years, I got a lot of them and how to condense it down. Sure. Um, Well, let me ask it a different way. What uh, what would you most like to tell young people today uh, based on your experience that you think might be helpful to them? Given the fact that neither you nor I think too much about the, <laughs> about the business of giving advice to other people, but uh, we also, I think part of what we realize is that experience counts. And we have both had experiences in our life that are valuable and have seasoned us in ways that we would, we would if we could, want to, uh, to make the path perhaps a little bit easier or, or more illumined for those that are coming after us. Um, and so um, I won't call it advice, but uh, what, would you, what would you want to share with um, or have you shared with your your kids or my kids or, or other young people in your life that may be different now than it was 10 years ago, for example? Well, it's, it's pretty much a consistent message. And I, I think we maybe all of us are aspiring toward it in one way. There's always a point or several points along the way in like a big project, be it an eagle project or be it parenthood or whatever, where you realize you're in way over your head. And at, the, at a, there's a split second in which you are really open to hearing something. And uh, what I, I look for, and I, I think I've done it quite a few times, is to be able to say, you are good enough right this minute. Mm. And 
you'll get even better. Mm. 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 And that's what I wanted to hear. Mm. That's a great statement. It's wonderful to be around people that that convey that message to us, and I think that's part of the love that uh, that we all share in our circles and, and, and in our families, and, and certainly you and I have, have shared over a whole lot of years as I've, I've watched you and learned from you and, and shared with you from, from my own uh, experiences as well. Um, so those were things that came to the top of my mind as I thought about recording your voice on your 75th birthday. What are some things that I, I haven't thought to ask you or, or to suggest to you that uh, what would you like to tell me <laughs> or anyone else right now about, about anything, what it's like to be 75 or, or otherwise, just whatever's on your mind while I have you here. Well, it would be to say how important you are and uh, that, uh, you know, we've known each other long enough to see each other in very vulnerable times. Uh, and uh, it's a real honor to see somebody at their point of vulnerability and for them not to be ashamed or apologetic. And um, you're valuable hmm. to me. Thank you. Right back at you, buddy. Right back at you. Well, it has been my great honor to, to be able to spend, for you to come and spend your birthday, you and Carrie, to come and spend part of your birthday here at our springs with me and to to let me have this privilege of recording your voice and uh, I'm, I'm very very grateful and we have had so many years of so many good discussions and and uh, I think when I first moved to Texas from California when I was missing my tribe from back there uh, you were one of the first people that uh, that I encountered that gave me hope that uh, I would be reestablished here, and you certainly helped me to to uh, create this space here at Earth Springs and this community and uh, with all my life and work here. So I'm really, really grateful, of course. And I'm grateful for the fact that uh, I know you, I know the side of you that's serious, but I also know, know the side of you that's a big coyote <laughs> and that and it likes to have fun and likes to poke fun as need be uh, with anything that's pretty puffed up or, or in danger of being so. And so uh, I know that both of us are have talked about uh, wanting to emphasize the joy in life in, in times that are so difficult for many, for all of us right now. The dangers of the climate, the uh, political unrest, the uh, challenges of in inclusion and, and uh, honoring of all different traditions. Um, we've worked at that for a long time, and, uh, and I think that not only uh, 
carrying within ourselves a feeling of peace, a peacefulness, and uh, loving ourselves and forgiving ourselves and others, um, but also the ability to find joy even in uh, challenging times is something that uh, is a hallmark of my experience with you. So I thank you for that and for all the service you've done on behalf of God knows how many people <laughs> from all walks of life and times in your life. I, it's uh, from the time when you worked at the state school and other places that, that uh, it's a continuous thread of love in action. And I'm honored to be your friend. And I thank you and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. I hope you join me again soon on the One and All Wisdom podcast. I will soon be posting the third in a series of podcasts dealing with some of the issues of the day in which I am choosing to <laughs> meander around and look at some of the issues of our times from a variety of perspectives, which I think you will find most interesting. And join us also on the One and All Wisdom website. This is Glenda Taylor. Mm-hmm.